millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and welcome to Ready to Be Real Conversations podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not. But my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. This week I speak to new mum, Laura Curtis. I'd lost a stone and she was putting on weight and she was living her best life yeah. there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. struggling. But yeah. I think maybe that's why I was so sick because... I was fighting so much for You were for taking her. it all, yeah. You were which, protecting her. Yeah, which is incredible because Isn't you it? don't realise how amazing a woman's body is and what we can do yeah. while we're in a coma. I'm fighting for her life. like Yeah. From Donna Mead in Dublin, she now lives in Baldoyle with her boyfriend Robbie and their newborn daughter Demi. But the past year has been one that she'll never forget. Having been through a miscarriage, she found herself pregnant again and was so looking forward to an uncomplicated pregnancy. But in March this year, at 20 weeks pregnant, she was diagnosed with COVID and ended up in ICU in Beaumont Hospital in a medically induced coma for 17 days to try and save her life and that of her unborn daughter. This is a powerful conversation, but it's also a challenging listen at times. So please do read the show notes before continuing, as I want you to be prepared beforehand. Laura, thanks a million for agreeing to have this conversation today, because I know how hard it is to leave your newborn baby. She's only six weeks today. Six weeks today. So how is it all going? It's going really good. Last night was probably the best night we've had. Half ten till six o'clock this morning. Oh, happy days. Yeah, so... Um, Long may that continue. Yeah, she's getting there. It's it's 
some days are better and some days aren't but yeah she's she's great she just doesn't like napping without being in our arms and we're so happy to be to have her here that we're like oh it's fine I know but you can't do anything else but have her in your arms <laughs> I remember when um, it, for me what worked was uh, a sling oh yeah so you could at least have them on you get around but actually be able to use your arms yeah <laughs> yeah because at the moment you can't do anything you can't do anything yeah yeah and you don't want to wake her yeah but I mean you're still in the I mean the first six weeks they all they all speak about the first six weeks being a bit of a blur it's so that fourth trimester yeah the fourth trimester exactly they're trying to get used to you as well or being out and about yeah it's 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 a mad time for a first timer yeah but with all you've gone through mother of divine I mean (laughs) you have been tested in ways that I can't get my head around I'll be honest um so the fact that you're here today and you're coherent yeah (laughs) is 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 an incredible achievement and massive congrats um, for everything you've been through. So let's let's go right back to you and Robbie. And uh, I suppose maybe when you met... We've known each other for years. So we were friends for years. We worked together. Um, and then I went off to Australia, done my bit of travelling, lived there for a couple of years. And he actually told me not to come home. He was like, don't come home. Australia's great. <laughs> and I came home and we were back into working together. And um, yeah, it kind of just fell into place. It happened and... From from then, we've been together probably two and a half years now. Mm. Um, but it was great. I think it's great to start a relationship from a friendship because you know everything about that person. So yeah. I think that made it easier and made it probably feel like we're together a lot longer than we are because we were such close friends before. Mm. So yeah, so that's that's where it all started. So two and a half years together and now you have your little baby girl but bring us back to when you found out you were pregnant obviously this pregnancy with Demi was the second pregnancy um yeah. so it was a lot it, mel- it meant a lot more um we had we had, had a miscarriage early in the year last year mm. so when we did find out i think it was extra special um and yeah that feeling i don't know you can't really describe that feeling when you see that it's positive and and you're pregnant and it's so much joy but you're kind of overwhelmed you don't really know what what you're in for I don't think like the road that's ahead and I you had said that to me before that you had experienced a miscarriage um about this time last year yeah and I think it does when you when you find yourself pregnant after a loss it it's uh it's just different, isn't it? It's kind of like your innocence is gone. Yeah, I think it's it's extra special. But I think if you would never experience that loss, mm. y- you don't know what you're missing. Do you know what I mean? So when yeah. you experience the loss and then you're craving something, and you want something and then you do get it. It's like that extra special feeling, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah when we found out, it was like really exciting. Mm. So at the beginning of the pregnancy, how was it? How are you feeling? Um, so the first three months, morning sickness was okay, a yeah. bit of a laugh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember bringing my niece to uh, see Santi at Christmas and getting sick on the side of the road. Oh, God love you. Yeah, okay. so uh, I'm not great Fun traveler times. anyway, mm. so mix that with a bit of morning sickness. And yeah, so it wasn't great. The first three months weren't great. And then the minute I hit uh, the 13th week, it was like, OK, I feel great. Okay. And then bam, <laughs> COVID hit. Yeah. So I kind of only had a couple of weeks of feeling okay. Yeah, so you had about, so about a seven-week window. So from week 13 to week 20 was 
was was Literally, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Geez, I didn't even think actually mm. of that window. Yeah, it was probably thirteen to twenty, and I was like, "This is great," you know, enjoying it. And then it was like, bam! So seven weeks out of the thirty-eight weeks were fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, when you when you got COVID, you didn't know it was COVID initially. Obviously, you just started to feel not great. Just not great. Yeah, that's the mm. only way I could describe it. When it first hit me, it was like, you know, I just need to go and lie down. Like that kind of feeling. I'm just not great. Like I yeah. couldn't describe it. And then day by day, it got kind of worse. And then obviously around that time, the fear was everything was COVID, COVID, COVID. Mm. But I was working from home. I wasn't mixing with anyone because I was pregnant. I had this extra caution about me. Of course. Um, and when I rang totally my GP... That. She was like, oh, look, you're better off just going to get the test. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, they're actually sending me for a test. Like, I didn't even kind of think of this. So, yeah, it kind of came as a bit of a shock. One minute I was fine and the next minute I wasn't, literally. Yeah, because you weren't like a close contact, obviously, of anyone. Well, my boyfriend, Robbie, had had tested positive and my mom. So... Prior, prior to you testing? Well, they only tested after it because okay. Robbie Robbie wasn't feeling great, kind of fluey, but he has asthma. So he was kind of, his breathing wasn't great, but he just put it down to that. Yeah. So when we look back, it was probably him who had it first. Okay. Yeah. But then you don't know, did we you show symptoms, know. did we not? Because we were living with my mum and dad at the time yeah. and my dad didn't test positive. And we weren't isolating away from anyone. I know. So we all got it apart from my dad <laughs> bizarre isn't it that yeah. we hear a lot about a lot of that yeah. you know that sometimes people can pick it up so quick and then other people despite sharing a bed with somebody with covid might just not so your mom and and robbie got tested after you but um yeah. you went for that test were you surprised when when you found out you were covid positive yeah so i i went for the test on saturday morning so how long had you had symptoms for at this stage so Probably the Thursday I was a bit tired, but it was the Friday that I was like, oh, like the Thursday evening, like a bit tired, wasn't great. But it was the Friday that I was like, oh, God, I'm going to ring my GP just because I'm pregnant, just to be extra sure. Sure, yeah. And then she sent me for a test on the Saturday morning. Okay, so it was really quick. Really quick. And then the Saturday night, I had tested positive. And I remember getting the text. I was sitting in the sitting room with everyone, and I just started crying. Yeah. Because it was just like, oh, God, like th- this overwhelming feeling, what does this mean? I wasn't expecting this. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. So yeah, that wasn't a nice text to get. Like, And you're pregnant. Yeah, exactly. So it's scary. And you're in the middle, you're like you're smack bang in the middle of the pregnancy at 20 weeks. Yeah. And um, you don't want to get that news, right? So you, unfortunately, you did. Mm-hmm. What happened then? So I was upset on the Saturday night, but it was like, I feel, I, I don't feel bad. Do you know, okay. I'm okay. Sunday again wasn't great um a bit of a cough um and then kind of the Monday it was like okay high temperature 39 and a half like I rang my GP again because like I don't want like I don't know what this means do you know what I mean I don't know what any of this means like a really high temperature when you're pregnant I can't take anything I feel really bad now and then on the Tuesday like the Monday and the Tuesday just got so much worse to the point where like Tuesday e- Tuesday night when, when we did call the amb- ambulance I like couldn't really breathe and I, I was uncontrollably coughing like um, yeah so it just kind of deteriorated within days that, like it must have been very scary 
Very scary, yeah. Because they say as well that when you get COVID, day three and four, I think, are like the worst. So like everyone kind of kept saying to me, oh, you're, you're, you're going through the worst now. You'll be grand. You'll be grand just once you get through those couple of days. But it wasn't. It was, it was just getting so much worse and it wasn't getting better. And as you said, you can't take anything. I mean, we all know. I mean, I'm I'm 28 weeks pregnant now yeah. and um, I had a bit of a head cold there about two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I was even kind of nervous taking paracetamol. I because, know. Do you know what I mean? Because you're, you're told not to take anything yeah. and, and, and your instinct as, as uh, you know, as, as a mother or mother to be is to, to want to do the best thing for your baby. Yeah. You're, you know, that's, all you, that's all we can do. I wasn't um, even eating a runny egg. <laughs> like, that's it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the simple things. And now in hindsight, when I look back, what I did, what I did put into my body or what I had to put in. What you had to. to my body. Yeah. yeah. And I wouldn't even eat a runny egg. Like. I know. I know. I yeah. know. Um, so you were having these really aggressive symptoms, but you couldn't even take the stuff that anyone else with COVID could perhaps take yeah. to ease ease the pain, you know, help a little bit. Yeah. You, you couldn't do that. No, I was taking the paracetamol. But again, I didn't want to be taking paracetamol. I didn't want to be taking anything. Yeah. Paracetamol when when I was suffering. Of course, you had bad. to. And, and also, it's probably important to, to kind of set it up. Back in March of this year, uh, while the vaccine had reached our shores, it was still not recommended for pregnant women, necessarily. Yeah. It hadn't been given the full green light at that stage. No, no, it, it wasn't given the green light because I was obviously very aware that it wasn't. And I like everyone kind of around me was getting the vaccine. Like Robbie had gotten the vaccine. My mom had gotten the vaccine, uh, their first dose. So I was kind of in the stage where I, I'm not recommended to get it. So I can't get it. it you know what I mean? It wasn't a choice at that stage. It was recommended. Pregnant women don't get it. And that was the way it was back in March. And we did have a chat about this. So maybe we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it now yeah. um, about the vaccine, because I, what I shared with you is that I've been asked a lot about my own personal opinion about the vaccine, mm-hmm. um, you know, through my followers on Instagram. And and I'll be very honest, and I, I've spoken about it and I, I've put it up in my stories that I'm just not going to comment on whether a pregnant woman should or should not get it mm-hmm. personally simply because I feel it's it's a personal choice yeah. and it's it's a very difficult decision to make and I respect women who get the vaccine but I also respect women who don't for their own personal reasons and I know that may seem controversial to some people listening but I just don't think it's my place to comment on it because I'm not a medical professional I don't know enough about it to comment and I respect that everybody has to make the right decision for them and I know this is something that you've been asked about an awful lot like me but you Mm -hmm. for very very different reasons because of what you've been through and you feel very much like I do that you don't want to comment on whether you think pregnant women should get the vaccine or not no, and especially in hindsight, what I've been through, like if I had have got the vaccine, would I have gotten as sick? We don't know. Yeah. Y- you know what I mean? If we, we just don't know what's going to happen. So it's it, like you said, we're not medical experts. It's anyone's personal op- opinion. Even if you're not pregnant, it's their personal choice whether they get it or not. So, yeah, I think there's kind of extra spotlight on pregnant women at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... That was that was a Tuesday. Was that a Tuesday you Tuesday, said the yeah. ambulance came? Yeah, Tuesday midnight. So I think it was the, like the midnight going into St. Patrick's Day. Um, so the ambulance came 
And at that stage, it was kind of like I went off in my Christmas PJs and I didn't really think anything. Like, I just kind of thought, oh, yeah, I'll head into hospital, get a little bit of oxygen, you know. They'll send me home. They'll send me home. I'll be fine. I'll see you in a couple of days. It was very scary going in to the ambulance by yourself and mm. like your yeah, family. By yourself, are, of course. Yeah, they're wave, They're kind of waving you off as you, you get into the ambulance. And then it's like you know you're you're covid positive so it's like everyone's like stay away from her like you know what i mean so you're very isolated because you have covid and everybody's gowned up and covered yeah, everyone's up everyone's gowned up so it's like that's one of the things i struggled with throughout the journey was you can't see people you can't relate to who, like if i was to see any of the consultants the nurses anyone i wouldn't even know they were them standing in front of me because they all looked the same all almost. i seen was their eyes yeah yeah, yeah. God, yeah, that must be so difficult. Yeah, that, that was Especially probably... when you're feeling scared and vulnerable. Yeah, and, and you can't see people's facial expressions. Like, you don't know if someone's kind of smiling at you or looking sad or... You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's, that was kind of the hard, one of the hardest parts, yeah. So when you arrive into hospital, um, uh, where, where what happens then? Where do they put you? So I think, like, when I first went in, you go into, like, a COVID-positive A&E is what I, I assumed it was. And I'm in a room on a trolley with like three sections and I'm in the middle. There's there's one man beside me, but there's like a, it's a petition between us. Mm. And then there's me. Um, and I was there from probably about midnight till I think eight in the morning. So they were doing bloods and x-rays and all that kind of stuff on me. Um, and checking the baby just to make sure the heartbeat because I was obviously very concerned about her. Like I just kept of saying, course. check her, check her. So, yeah, I, I stayed there for eight hours um, before I got brought up to the ward. Right. And at this stage, do your family know what's going on? Um, probably not like to the extent. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. sent a couple of texts. Yeah, I'm on a I'm on a trolley like I'm, I'm on a bed now yeah. waiting. I'm getting bloods done. You know, it wasn't really until I got to the ward the next morning that I had spoke to them properly um, but I don't know if I really remember the next couple of days yeah of course yeah. and at this stage are your symptoms just getting getting worse yeah so I, I think I was okay when I first went in like I was kind of like oh it was all new you know like you're you're, you're kind of being cautious of everything and you're checking everything because I remember when they said to me we need to do an x-ray we need to check if there's like clots on the lungs or how bad it is and i was like oh no like i can't get an x-ray i'm pregnant and they yeah. were like oh you know you kind of don't have an option here you're very sick and i was like okay so they actually gave me this like i think it's like a steel kind of belt or a metal belt that i put on my back so they just x-rayed my lungs uh -huh. so protect bump yeah. so protect baby from the back um so that kind of gave me a bit of reassurance um, and when they were checking bloods and stuff again it was fine I was I was aware I was alert it was probably from the next throughout the next day that it's all a bit of a blur I don't I remember spots of the days but not much and at this stage are you in ICU no so this stage I'm in a respiratory ward um up in St Paul's ward in in Beaumont um so no it's like a high dependency unit and could Robbie or your folks come in and see you? No. No. No, no visitors. Um, because I'm sure a lot. So of, tough. 
Yeah, very hard. Um, very hard for them, very hard for me. Again, I was probably too sick in these days anyway to even, if they had have came in, I was I was too sick. I don't remember a lot. I was actually taking selfies while I was in the bed. Don't ask why. Just taking pictures, but I was probably sending them to them because they yeah, were saying, yeah, how are you? I get that. Yeah, yeah of and you know, the first picture I took, I had a small oxygen in both nostrils. And then the other one, it was like a bigger mask. And then it was like a bigger one and a bigger one. And it just kind of kept going on because the levels of oxygen just weren't doing the job. Doing the job. Yeah, they just weren't doing what I needed. Um, so I just got sicker and sicker and sicker. And presumably the medical staff are in touch with your family to kind of keep them updated as, as much as possible. Or are they? Yeah. So in fairness to them, like so good, like the communication between the nurses and doctors too. So Robbie was my next kin, yeah. obviously because I'm pregnant with his child. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he's my next kin. So he was the point of contact, which I think was good in hindsight. You know, my mom and dad probably would have found it very hard or probably not been able to deal with the news sometimes that they were getting. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah, because I mean, not alone are they concerned about you, their daughter, but their grand, the yeah, granddaughter yeah. Or, or the grandchild. Maybe they didn't know whether you were having a boy or a girl at this stage. No, I knew all along I was Did having you? a girl. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. Uh, she was always referred to as baby girl. Okay, great. <laughs> um, yeah. So they were they were brilliant. They every every morning, every evening, like throughout the day, they would contact if there was any changes or you know what I mean? They were actually the communication was brilliant and I think they were probably more aware of this because there was no visitors and because of COVID. Yeah. Maybe they made it their mission to kind of I get you. make sure the family were well aware because yeah. no one could get in to anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when was a decision made that what we're doing and how we're looking after her is just it's 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 just not enough. It's not what she needs. We need to we need to step up here and make a really, really difficult decision. I mean, when you hear it and when I heard what what you'd went through initially, it is it is it is shocking to hear that at at this stage you're then twenty one weeks pregnant. Yeah, t- yeah, between twenty and twenty just gone twenty one when I went into ICU. Okay. Yeah that you have to be put into a medically induced coma. Yeah. I mean, it's not the stuff that it's 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 a movie script rather than real life in a way. Yeah, and it's and it's funny because you know the way everyone is saying to me, "Oh god, your story, your story, like it's amazing what you've been through." And only probably up until last week I'm like, "Oh, Jesus, I know. It's mad, isn't it?" And I'm kind of brushing it off as if, "Oh god, I know." But it's only kind of now that I'm coming to terms with what I've been through. And I don't think anyone else realizes that I was always pushing towards something. So when I got better, I was getting better for the baby. I was pregnant. Then when I when I had her, it was her. So now my focus is kind of stopped that I'm kind of sitting down and thinking, right, you need to come to terms with what you've been through because it was very surreal and Absolutely. and sometimes it doesn't feel like it happened but I need to like they spoke a lot about people in ICU that suffer from PTSD in a couple of months or years or it might just hit you and I was like oh no I'll be fine because humor always kind of seems to be my go-to I'll be grand do you know so yeah yeah I think that's that's now something I need to kind of come to terms with probably how sick I was and how 
close to I don't like saying the word death, but how close to death I was and the baby. Yeah. Um, which is very scary for not only me but my friends and family. Absolutely it is. Yeah. So getting help with that and um and you probably need maybe outside help with it, which yeah. is which is probably a really healthy thing to do to give yourself time to to maybe sit down with somebody and 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 talk it out so that you do avoid, you know, because I think being aware of it is is incredible to mm. already be at the stage where you're starting to process it and, mm. and take it in. As you said, you've been in this kind of survival mode yeah. for you and for your baby and, you know, get her here safely. And she's in the world now. She is safe and healthy and well, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, but it's also important to acknowledge what you've been through emotionally and mentally, not just what you've experienced physically and to give yourself space and time to, to process it. So I'm really glad that you're at that point and that's very healthy because, yeah. because hopefully then you can avoid a situation where you do experience maybe PTSD yeah, yeah. down the line. Yeah. Um, so did they communicate to you that, Laura, we're, we're going to have to do this? Um. I think so. Uh, yeah, no, remember. they did. They they were very good. They were very good. They would talk talk me through everything because I was very determined. What what are you giving me? What is this? What is that? You know, I was very probably on their case too much because I wanted to know everything I was taking. Um, and when they made the decision, I just remember being rushed to ICU. I don't like if you had have told me before I went to ICU that you were in ICU and that you would suffer, I probably wouldn't have realised the extent to what that means. Like, I don't know, until you're there, you don't know how sick someone is until you're actually there. So they actually allowed Robbie into me when I went to ICU first because I remember being rushed down and, like, swarmed with a team of people, you know, doing different things, setting me up on different things, and Robbie just being there all gowned up, standing beside me. So it was great to have him there, but he looked petrified and I remember his face and that made me like, I, why is he here? He's not allowed to be here. So the fact he's here means I'm sick. Do you you know? But probably, yeah. yeah. And then the conversation was had that, um, look, Laura, like you're, you're really not well, like you're really, really sick. Um, and we're going to try our best to look after you, but we don't know what that means right now. Um, and you are only 21 weeks pregnant, so it's not a viable fetus until 24 weeks. So if we can't save the baby, we're going to try our best, of course, but if we can't save the baby, you're our priority. And that is just like the worst news after like a horrific year, you know, and then finding out you're pregnant, being halfway, thinking you're on the home stretch. And being told that, I was just like, no, please. And that's when I just went into hysterics. Completely understandable. When you said that, I just got chilled through me because it's your yeah. worst nightmare to hear those words. Yeah. Like, there's there's, there's nothing I could do. There's no, nothing and, I could do. And your instinct, as you said there, was, you know, you weren't eating the runny eggs before this <laughs> happened. Yeah. You were asking all the questions, what are you putting into me? Because you're, even though... You have yet to hold your baby in your arms. You're already a mother in terms of what yeah. matters. Yeah. Your mind and you're watching out for her and you're trying to make the right decision. Yeah. But this is out of your control. 
Yeah, I, by then it was definitely out of my control. Yeah, by then it was. They had to say they they were looking at a very sick, pregnant woman, and uh, that they want they wanted to save your life and ideally both lives. But at this stage, the priority was me. Was yeah. you? Yeah, tough. That's hard to hear. That's so hard. Yeah, and I can only imagine Robbie standing beside me. That's hard to hear. Not only is his girlfriend going through this, it's his child too. You yeah, know, of course. We kind of forget. I know I done all the the hard work in terms of being sick and getting better, but he's still there and it's still his child as well, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that was hard and that was that was it then. I was I was put to sleep. So you don't remember. So do you remember that moment beforehand that you were kind of hysterical? No, no. Okay. I remember being told that and that was it. Okay, so I don't okay. I actually don't know the window of okay this is the news you're being told two hours later, three hours later, 20 minutes. Like, I don't know the window. That's the last thing I remember. And I was asleep then. And you were asleep for 17 days. 17 days, yeah. Which, (laughs) to me, I was having a great time. I was asleep. I was having great dreams. I was in Dubai. I was in Poland. Like... I was being held hostage at one stage in a hotel. Don't ask. <laughs> but these are all very real. Obviously. Did you really? Yeah. See, that's what you remember. Just complete dream state. Yeah. Like, if you asked me the day happen, I would tell you, yeah. Like, okay. to me, that's what I was doing. During you went those. to Dubai. I was in Dubai, yeah. Having the crack. Yeah, having <laughs> living my best life. I was actually there with my hairdresser, which I think to myself... Why was I thinking about that? But I had really bad roots at the time. So I wonder, was that on my mind when I was really sick? Don't ask. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but they were real. I don't know if it was because of the the high doses of morphine that I was on. I was hallucinating or whatever. I was dreaming. Um, I've never been in a coma before, so I don't know what to to expect. But to me, they were real. To me, that happened. So I was having a great time while everyone else around me was suffering very bad. So while that's your memory of it, what were you told when you came to about what those 17 days were like? Um, Even now, so like Robbie was brilliant. Um, He sent out a text to all my friends and family every day. So when he spoke to the nurses and doctors, he updated everyone very detailed message um Laura had a good night she had a bad night this is the levels of oxygen her levels of sedation this is how she's doing if there was any hiccups in the road he was updating everyone and those text messages kind of grew legs and they went to everyone kind of all over Ireland at one stage they were going um my mom was sending them on to everyone my dad my brother you know all my friends it was on Facebook everyone was sharing it so it Everyone was kind of invested in this story for the 17 days because at this stage, it w- no one kind of heard this. No one knew that there was a 29-year-old pregnant woman in ICU with COVID. Like, I was a rarity at this stage. So he was brilliant. He updated everybody. And then when I came around, he had told people, don't show Laura the messages. Like, told kind of my mom and dad, when you're talking to her, don't tell her how long she was in the coma for don't like we need her to get better we don't want her to worry or to panic um so i kind of wasn't aware for a couple of days what what had gone through because when i did wake up he was sitting beside me so they allowed him back in when i woke up they had obviously reduced the levels of sedation and i had came around 
and I was so thirsty. I just remember the thirst, like because the ventilator was down my throat, the thirst was like unbelievable. And I told like he he'd brought some drinks in for me. But I was only allowed to take one sup at a time. So I would take literally one sup through a straw and cough loads. So I I just kind of thought I'm just after waking up or I was kind of asleep for a day or two because those days were fuzzy anyway. Mm. I was in and out of sleep because, you know, when you have the flu, you're in and out of sleep anyway. Mm. So I kind of just thought, okay, here I am. I didn't realize what had just gone on for the last 17 days. Yeah, you wouldn't have had any concept of time, I suppose. No, no, no concept at all. Before we get to that conversation that you had when you kind of came to, Mm. um, during this time, you're obviously being monitored, but baby is being monitored as well. Yeah, baby's being monitored really closely by the Rotunda, which was um, brilliant. Uh, One of the head doctors, uh, Dr. Maria Canelli, she used to come over, I think she came over two or three times while I was asleep um, and she monitored baby and once or twice she had Robbie on FaceTime so he could see and like really above and beyond kind of stuff. Like that's that's stuff that they don't have to do. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and that to me is just amazing. Like that they were doing that and taking the time out of their lives to come over and do that for for us was just amazing to give him a bit of reassurance as well while I was asleep was was incredible every life is precious but I do think there's something unbelievably powerful yet vulnerable about a pregnant woman Mm. so I would imagine that if 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 I was you know to be in their shoes that they wanted to do everything they possibly could to give you and your baby the best possible chance of of getting through this bloody thing. Oh, 100%. And like, I'm sure you're not going to work in a maternity hospital if that wasn't your passion or your fight. So I'm sure it wasn't anything. But to me, when I think back, it meant an awful lot. And to Robbie at the time, I'm sure it meant an awful lot because he needed needed that reassurance. That was probably what was getting him through the days, you know, known, right, okay, I saw a baby girl. She's fine, which is great. Yeah, you know, isn't it incredible? As you said, like at the beginning there, you know, we're told when we're pregnant to avoid this and avoid that and do this and don't do that. And yet when it comes down to it, there you are being pumped full of medications (laughs) to 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 get you through this, you know, this virus and, uh, (laughs) you know, stuff that you would never normally consider doing. And yet it was an example of the miracle of life. Your your baby girl was thriving there inside you like that was the word they used when they spoke to Robbie like she's thriving like she was putting on like weight like she was she while you were losing weight she while was I was it on. like I had lost a stone while I was in ICU like you're yeah. meant to obviously put on weight while you're pregnant and yeah. like they monitor how much weight you put on I had lost a stone and she was putting on weight and she was living her best life yeah. in there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm struggling. But yeah. I think maybe that's why I was so sick because I was fighting so much for her. You were taking her. it all. Yeah. You were which, protecting her. Yeah, which is incredible because Isn't you it? don't realise how amazing a woman's body is and what we can do yeah. while we're in a coma. I'm fighting for her life. Like, Yeah. And even I remember you saying that, um, you know, we're told 
not to lie on her back necessarily mm. when you're pregnant because it puts too much pressure and then you're told to like lie on your side ideally your left but certainly you'd never lie on your stomach when you're pregnant it's a big no-no no and you wouldn't be able to you know yourself yeah, yeah. like like I'm looking at you if you were to lie on your I belly know. like you'd, you you'd stroke like you just wouldn't be able and yeah. I remember when I'd be on my side I'd be like right left side and even if you're uncomfortable you're like no that's what I'm told and then I was prone on my belly for 16 hours a day like I had bed sores on my face like I had like scabs kind of on my chin and a big huge one on my forehead from being <laughs> face planted into the bed so like 16 hours a day is a lot of hours so like I know I joked on one of the interviews <laughs> that I done with the paper saying I'm surprised she didn't come out with a flat face <laughs> but like it's like how did she know, not like I when know. she came out and I looked at her I was like how is she perfect yeah like not a blemish on her because what she has been through and I spe- even the line on uh, 16 hours that's so long unbelievable I would imagine they probably tried to prop you up as much as, as possible maybe to take pressure off bump but nonetheless yeah I'm nonetheless. sure there was some sort of yeah. concoction gone around my bump or something they done to to monitor that but still and in those moments so a- again I want to get back to the, the conversation with you and Robbie but before that like were there moments in those 17 days where it was not looking like you were improving or do you know what I mean? How was that experience in terms of what you've been told since? So again, I haven't been told massive amounts. Okay. The text messages that have gone out to everyone, Robbie is not letting me see. He is He's protecting you. He is asking mom and dad not to show me. He's kind of asking people because it would have been too much. Like yeah. if I was reading what I, I didn't need to read them at the time. Do you know? I didn't need to know what had gone on because I needed to get better and be in a good headspace for this Absolutely. pregnancy. So his intentions were good for me. Um, I think maybe once or twice things probably weren't looking great. Um, I know they tried to lower my sedation once anyway and, and my body didn't respond well to it. Okay. Um, and yeah there was there was times that it probably wasn't looking great but thankfully at the end of those 17 days they made the decision to bring you around because they were confident that you had been through certainly the worst of it at that stage yeah I don't I actually I don't actually know what what the reasoning at the 17 days right now we can do it I'm sure they tried a couple of times to lower it and and were checking my body for my reactions like I said there was once in particular that my body just did not respond well at all mm. and they had to they had to put me back in the sedation so yeah I'm sure they were confident enough that waking me up at this point I could come around well and as you mentioned as well we're, we're you know we're told when we're pregnant that you reach certain milestones that are that are real they're really positive in your mm. pregnancy and you're told that the 24 weeks is something special about that because that's when baby is considered viable mm. and that they'll have a good chance if if they had to be born at that stage. It's not guaranteed, but it's a far better chance than maybe the week or two previous. At this stage, you're kind of approaching the nearly the 24 weeks, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. After being, because that, like, that's two and a half weeks, so you were 21 weeks. So yeah, you yeah. would have been nearly the ne- 24 nearly weeks. Nearly approaching the 24 weeks, yeah. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So, what was that chat like with you, Robbie, when you came to... And you were you were asking for the water because you were thirsty, and how did that? Yeah, how did that go? Yeah, like when I think back to it, like I didn't have the concept of what I was saying because I had just come around. So I just turned to him and said, "Like you do know, I'm not pregnant anymore." And he he was kind of just looking at me, and I was like, because I had told him all these stories. And when I was telling him I was on holidays and all this kind of stuff, he was just laughing, kind of going to, going ahead with it, like he wasn't stopping me because I was telling them all about what I was going through and did you really think this had happened this yeah. stuff had happened like to me it still has like to me it was very real okay so it didn't it wasn't like I dreamt I was in Dubai with my hairdresser no I was actually in Dubai <laughs> with my hair yeah <laughs> this is what I'm saying like crazy right, okay. stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so like when, when I had said to him I'm not pregnant he was like alright and I kind of said yeah but but it wasn't like I was crying, I wasn't upset. Like I was kind of just telling him facts. Like it was like I was just telling him this. Okay. And he was like, "No, you are." And I was like, "No, I don't think I am." Like, because obviously on my mind that was the last thing I heard. Yeah. And then he said, "Well, I have a harpy on my WhatsApp. Do you want to listen to it?" And I was like, "Who? Like what? Who's harpy?" And he played it to me, and I was like, "Oh my god." that's our baby and he was like yeah he said you're still pregnant he said they've been looking after the baby the whole time Jesus Laura yeah so again I didn't know to what it, yeah. you, you know what I mean I didn't know they were looking after me so well yeah. while I was asleep how did you feel when you when you heard the sound of her heart beating and, and knowing that was it, did it take a while for it to sink in? yeah I think it took it took okay. yeah it took probably days for it to sink in because I lost so much weight as well, you know what, kind of 20 weeks, 21 weeks, you don't have a massive, well, I didn't have a massive bump. 
So when I looked down, I was kind of like, where, where is she? I was expecting to be huge all of a sudden, but yeah. I wasn't. So I was kind of like, is she in there? Um, but yeah, it was kind of a couple of days, I would say, that it came around, if, if ever, if ever I kind of came to terms with it. Because I struggled probably right up until I had, had her in my arms. You're probably part of a, a kind of a unique club now of um, those who've come out the other side of being in a coma. Yeah. Because I don't think anyone can understand what that's like because we haven't experienced it. I don't have a clue what that's like. Nobody does. And I think only maybe somebody who's been through that s- scenario um, might understand what it's like to come to after being put to sleep for for mm. for over two weeks of your life. Um. So when you did, so you, at this stage, you can't, I presume you can't still get out of bed. No, no. At yeah. this stage, I'm still lying in bed and there's contraptions everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like you can see my neck. I, I had lines in both sides of my neck. So I've got scars on both sides. Um, but they, to be fair, they look like they're healing brilliantly. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm kind of trying to look after them. Good um, on you, yeah. And, you know, you have lines in your arms for bloods being taken um, yeah. I had oxygen still in one nostril and I was being fed through the other nostril um, so you still couldn't eat still couldn't eat no um, and then like I had a catheter I had everything because right. I was comp- like I, I couldn't do anything for nearly three weeks so I didn't know to the extent because I remember when the physio came I think it could have been a couple of days after and they said, you know, we're going to try and get you back up, kind of practice and walking and oh, grand. And they gave me like a frame and I sat on the edge of the bed and she said, look, just put your feet down onto the ground and touch, touch the ground with your feet. And then we'll kind of take one step and one step and go from there. But I didn't realize that I had been given like muscle relaxers and they'd killed all my muscles. Like I was completely immobile for three weeks. And when I stood up, I just nearly fell to the ground. Um, you were like jelly. Yeah, completely like jelly. So I kind of had to learn. And I didn't enjoy physio. When I seen the physio coming every day, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be out of bed. I was very uncomfortable sitting on my bum for weeks after because I was so used to lying down. It was horrible. They used to have to tell me to sit on a chair for half an hour and I just really didn't want to do it. Like Yeah. I would imagine the pressure put on you, you know, because your body was. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It was, it was so yeah, it was just like it was too much for me to take two steps to the chair. Well, it was yeah. just too much at one stage. So after you came to, how long did you stay in hospital for? So I was in there for five weeks in total. Total. Yeah. So daily physio, just trying to monitoring you all the time and trying to speech and language like all that kind of stuff yeah because my throat was so damaged from the ventilator like even now I'm talking to you and you wouldn't have known my voice before but my voice is different is it yeah when like it strains a lot like when I laugh I kind of can't laugh well you know like my dad even said to me the other day he said you sound gas when you're laughing because you can't actually laugh properly because it's still strained a bit um and I kind of gasp sometimes when I've talked for too long. I'll give okay. give more of a breath, you know. Um, yeah. So I had to kind of like I was on like an easy to chew diet when I did come around off the, the tube, being fed through the tube. So, yeah, my throat was was damaged. They had talked about giving me a 
tracheonectomy, you know, okay. um, through okay. the neck. Yeah. Thankfully, I didn't have to get one of those oh, because yeah. I kept pulling the ventilator out, okay. which was a good sign to them because I was aware that something yeah, yeah, was in yeah. my my throat. Um, yeah. And the kind of the fight instinct, the survival instinct was, you know, I want I want to get this out. Yeah, get this out. I want to come back. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how were you when you left hospital? Like what kind of shape were you in at this stage? I presume you're exhausted and you're still, you know, uh, you know, your throat is sore and you've all these kind of pains and aches and pains. But but COVID has left your body at this stage. No, it hasn't. No, COVID's still in my body. Um, How long was it with you? Well, we don't know. So when I was okay. leaving, um, I had gotten a couple of CT scans before and after ICU. Um, I had to get scans on my heart because apparently it can damage your heart. It wasn't damaged, thank God. Um, but COVID, pneumonia, everything was still, f- my lungs are still very damaged um, while I was leaving. But I was on the other side of it, you know. Um, I think I had gotten better quick enough for me to leave hospital because age probably was on my side and a lot of them a lot of the doctors had kind of said that like because the time I came out of ICU to the time I was discharged was probably very quick considering what it could have been um so when I first got home I was just like I was just exhausted like just exhausted from being in hospital the last couple of days were like horrific I just wanted to get out like hospital when you're getting better and you're aware it's just not a nice place to be. No visitors, long days. You're getting bloods at six in the morning and 10 o'clock at night. You can't sleep, yeah. the machines. So when I first got home, I really struggled. Like I, I could only kind of walk up and down the stairs once a day. So again, I was still pretty bedridden. Um, I was on so much steroids, antibiotics, morphine. I was actually on methadone when I was in there which is pretty crazy to some people. Um, I I remember being in the hospital bed when I came around and because I was getting a lot of stuff in through the nose, one of the nurses was putting this green stuff into my nose and I remember saying, I know what that is. There's only one thing that can be and why are you giving me that? And apparently, like, one of the doctors, he sat down beside me and he started laughing at me. And he said, how do you know what that is? And mm. I was like, you know, I've worked in the area of addiction or homelessness. Um, I'm well aware of what you're putting into my body. Why are you putting this into my body? And he said it was the safest thing to give you coming off the morphine that was safe for you and baby. Yeah, wow. Which is crazy. You know, again, back to the runny eggs. And, yeah, and they're yeah, giving yeah. Me, think about it. Yeah, methadone. So it was only a small amount, a couple of mils, and I was weaned off on the way down, like coming out of hospital, I was weaned down before I was allowed to go home. But the effects coming off of that was horrific when I got home. I hallucinated really bad, so I could see like ants and stuff in the corner of my eye and spiders and all. So if I turned my head, sometimes I could see things that weren't there. I was afraid of the dark, so I was afraid to go asleep. Um, I hated nighttime. And it was purely because we have like blackout curtains in the room. So the room is very dark, very quiet. When I had never, I hadn't experienced that in five weeks. I was always in light yeah. and machines and nurses and, you know, like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. 
it was very scary. I used to kind of have to change my PJs two or three times a night because I was drowned with sweat because I was just obviously I was panicking, panicking and coming off all of these drugs and medication. Um, it was just very just so strange when you say that it's like it's like when a drug addict decides to to come off whatever drug they're on that's you're going through all of these withdrawals yeah yeah um, really bad withdrawals actually yeah and it's important to say as well like you had and have no underlying health condition no i've never even had a cigarette in my life i've never smoked right i've never had breathing problems i've never nothing 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 yeah so I don't I don't know why. It's one of the strangest parts of it, isn't it? It's um, and, and, and we're certainly not having this conversation to freak anyone out <laughs> or make anyone nervous. And that's certainly not not our intention. But I think it's important to be aware that we just don't we just don't know. We just don't know um, how we're going to react or respond to something, yeah. you know, or uh, why, why our bodies yeah. respond in that way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So they never discovered anything. No. During the time you were in hospital that, you know, that you didn't realise he had it as were. No. No, no. Nothing. No. Yeah. Right. So how long did that last, that period of, of, of hallucination and panic and all that went with it? When did that start to fade? Did it last for a long time? Um, I can't really remember. Probably, probably a couple of weeks. Really? Yeah. God. Probably the, the guts of two or three weeks because like... I couldn't stand nearly by myself. I had to have a chair in the shower, you know, like all of that kind of stuff was, it, it would have been a couple of weeks. Like when I was going to the Rotunda to get checked out, I was in a wheelchair, like Robbie was wheeling me in in a wheelchair. Like I hadn't got the use of my legs for quite a while. And the energy and the breathlessness was was a long time. If I hadn't, probably the breathlessness and the energy probably didn't come around till after the baby was born. Okay because of the pressure of the growing bump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the while, as you said already, she's thriving. So she's growing, she's doing what, what babies do yeah. and she, you know, she's gaining weight, she's getting bigger, she's developing on a daily basis while you're still in really bits. struggling <laughs> in bits. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, let's fast forward then to July of this year. Yeah. And... Um, she decides to to make her entrance but again it wasn't an easy path it was a dramatic road to her birth yeah can you talk about that yeah so i was induced at 38 weeks and four three or four days um so you knew that was going to happen yeah i knew that was going to happen they had talked to me about it because because i was so sick because i had covid they wanted it to be very planned um and yeah. to try and get the best outcome for someone who had been so sick sure um sure so yeah didn't go to plan <laughs> um as as labors do i suppose you can't really predict what's gonna happen <clears throat> yeah, yeah it looked great um my cervix was favorable everything looked well it looked like the the birth was going to be an easy enough road um, when I went in, my waters were broken. I was brought to the labour ward and we were kind of on the home stretch. Um, I was actually on blood thinners from the time I had left Bowmount. So I had to inject myself with blood thinners because I was at a high risk of blood clots because of COVID and because of being pregnant. So okay. I was at a higher risk. So I was taking those every night. 
but they, I was told that if you take them within 12 hours of going into labour, you can't get an epidural. Oh God, right, okay. So when I was told I was being induced on the Tuesday, I yeah. stopped them on the Sunday because I was like, I'm to not taking sure. any chances yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so I had stopped them in well enough time. But look, that that didn't go to plan either. Um, I had tried to get in the epidural. It took five times. They could, they kept hitting arteries and and hitting blood vessels, and there was blood everywhere, and it was lovely experience. God, so I love you. Five epidurals it took, which again was not a nice thing to go through. But then the epidural didn't work, so after all that, it didn't actually work. Okay. So I'm on the oxytocin, and the contractions are getting stronger, and you know when you have the gas and air, I was getting sick, and yeah. through the night. And it was just like horrific. And I got to the stage where I'd, I think I'd been on the oxytocin for 12 hours and I was only three centimeters. And they were like, Lord, this is not happening. We're going to have to bring you down to theater. So I was rushed down pretty much emergency section. But, uh, but you know, I, 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 I also really feel for, I really feel for you. I really feel for women when, you know, when, when, when you're told, oh, you're only such a, a centimetre. <laughs> yeah. It's bloody hard work to get to one centimetre. I know. You I know, know, your body is, is doing something for a first time that it's never done before. Yeah. And it's opening up in a way it has never done before. It's it's a big deal. Um, so I, I, I always feel it's, it does a disservice, I think, to women to say you're only one, two, three centimetres, whatever it is. Instead of saying you've already got to, yeah, you know, bloody well done because you've done that, and the fact that you, you know, you thought you were going to get the epidural and then that didn't happen. I really feel for you, um, and then you're landed with this. And by the way, so you've you've gone through this uh, discomfort, for want of a better word, mm. uh, putting it mildly, so far, and now we're going to have to bring you down to perform an emergency C-section. <laughs> yeah. I don't even I don't even know because I was in so much pain and I was squealing like yeah, I'd say yeah. the whole of Parnell Street could hear me at one stage I didn't even know what it meant because I was just like get her out now like do you know because I was getting hysterical and you know they were monitoring her and I could hear her and her heartbeat was going up and down and she was nearly getting into distress because I was in distress so I just wanted her out immediately I know I know so, your instinct is just yeah. I want a safe baby I want a healthy safe baby you know yeah. let's just yeah, yeah do what is necessary yeah so when we got down um, into theatre it's the same room that I was there last year after getting the DNC from okay. the miscarriage that's kind of flooding back is she going to be okay like like is this actually the time I'm going to meet my baby after all of this? Do you know? Like, so I'm screaming for Robbie. Um, and was he allowed in? He was allowed in as they put the um the kind of curtain up I between you, you and, yeah, yeah, and your yeah. belly. Um, he was allowed in. He, I think, he walked in on everything. So he pretty much saw her kind of coming out as he kind of got to me. Okay. She came out, but everyone talks to me about this huge scream that they give when they first come out, and she just didn't. So they had said to me, right, like two minutes until she's gonna be here. So I'm like waiting, 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 and they're like, baby's here, and I was like, I can't hear her. So me and Robbie are like in hysterics beside each other, like both crying thinking is she okay and then she's just like propped up over the curtain there's your baby and she's kind of like nearly gooing and gan and I'm like yeah, okay. why is she not crying 
but she but now even her temperament isn't to cry yeah. you know what I mean or to yeah. be loud so I think and, and not all babies do no, not all babies do no, some of them are quite chilled like I know yeah huge, yeah yeah like we're used roar. to hearing it yeah of course yeah so she didn't give that and I was like oh but then she was she was perfect perfect Perfect. Yeah. So is she just a, she's a laid back baby? Yeah, she's she's not like she's fine in her lungs. Don't get me wrong. Um, of course. But she's 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 chilled enough. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it amazing after what you have been through? And you are incredible. I mean, mother of God, you're amazing. Um, but also that she is and that she came out perfect, perfect after everything. Yeah. Like, and the first thing I said, has she got 10 fingers? Has she got 10 toes? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like, is she like, you know, I, I was expect not that I was expecting something. No, but you want but to make sure. It was a huge worry. Like, yeah. you know, I had a baby shower a couple of weeks before. All my friends and family were like, oh, we can't wait for Miracle Baby. And even when people would compliment me, oh, look at your bump and all. I never wanted to talk about my pregnancy from the time I was in Bowmount to the time she was born. I didn't want to talk about it because... What if she's not okay? okay? What if this yeah. what if this doesn't end good? Do you know we're still not home and dry? So yeah, when she did kind of come out and she was perfect, it was like, oh my god, the relief was just unbelievable. I can only imagine because even despite what you've been through for anyone who's been pregnant, yeah. you know, when they come out, you do you do kind of whether you know it or not, you kind of do check over, don't you? Yeah. To want to make sure. So I can only begin to imagine that was magnified a million percent yeah. in your situation. Um. But yeah, so you had the C-section, which in itself as well is is a big deal. Let's be honest, you know. Yeah, hard recovery from from that as well. Yeah, uh, very hard because it's like. And you're Ma- still only recovering. Yeah, it's like major abdominal surgery. Yeah. Okay, off you go for the first time to look after this baby. <laughs> it's like, okay, hold on. I've just had, like you said, major surgery. And you, like, you know, you're expected to now look after a newborn. So it's very hard. It's very hard. Th- those kind of two or three weeks getting home are very hard. And within a year, you have been through... <laughs> A miscarriage that led to a DNC procedure, and I've had two of them myself, so I know what it's like. Yeah. And and then and then you you find out you're pregnant, and then you go through COVID. But you don't just go through COVID; you're in a coma for 17 days, and you go on to have your baby by emergency C-section. Mother God, it's a lot, isn't it, Laura? It's a well, lot to take in. <laughs> well, I think when you put it like that, yeah, yeah. When you kind of put it all into the fact that I'd never been in hospital before in my life. So okay, from no, no experience of it. No, never been in an ambulance, never been in hospital. So from last July to this July. Wow. Go hard to go home. Go hard to go home. Like, yeah, yeah it's been Full pretty on. extreme. Yeah. You need to go to Dubai with the hairdresser yeah. at some point. Yeah. To just I'll get her to listen to this <laughs> and tell her she, she can book it. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and look, for those listening, I'm not making light of your situation, but I also get how powerful a tool humor is. And it's something that I think a lot of us will resonate with whenever you go through shit times. It's a it's it's a great protection to be able to use humor to kind of get you through something that's really scary and tough because otherwise you'd go mad. And it's what I use. It's what I kind of all I know and it's what I go to. And and like I said, you've caught me at a good time doing this podcast because I think probably about two weeks ago, I wouldn't have been able to sit here and explain it as well as I can. Like, I I am now only coming to terms and acknowledging 
what my mom and dad and what Robbie and not to accept my extended family and my friends actually went through those 17 days. Do you know what I mean? Because it was always, okay, right, Laura's out of the coma now. Let's focus on getting her better. Let's focus on baby girl. Let's focus on this. But I'm only kind of now coming to the terms and acknowledging, like, how would that have felt for my mom and dad and for Robbie, for my brother, for, you know what I mean? Like, even when I talk to some of my friends, I had a couple of my friends over the weekend, they actually still get upset when we talk about it. And I keep going back to humor. Oh, I'm grand. And I laugh, kind of, you know, oh, sure, look, you can't get rid of a good thing. And they're like, no, Laura, like, that was a really scary time for us. And yeah. I suppose because I wasn't, like, I was asleep. But I suppose, like, I didn't know what it felt like waking up every morning and getting the text to see if I was still alive or to see if I had made it through another night. Do you know? So I think it's only now I'm starting to acknowledge what everyone has been through and how hard it must have been for them because I was I was always their focus. When she's okay, when she's better, but now I think it's time to probably focus on how everyone else is as well and how they felt. That's a really gorgeous thing to say. I think it says a lot about you as a person that um, you're still only in the early weeks of being a, being a mom, like, you know, your little girl, uh, Demi, is only six weeks and you're already thinking about other people and how it's been for them. So I think, I think that just shows that you're really a, a gorgeous person, but also I, I'm sure they would be saying to you, no, focus on you right yeah. now. Don't worry about us, we're grand. And look, I'm not belittling, because I can only imagine that it was a living hell every day, not knowing. Mm. And uh, the fear of, will you wake up? Will you mm. come to? But right now, I'm sure they would all they want for you is to for you to be okay because it's it's no joke being a new mom at, at the best of times but with the all the stuff that you've experienced you, you have that to contend with as well so I think right now it's day by day and just mind you and mind baby and uh, and 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 take it a step at a time I think there will probably come a time hopefully mm. it won't be too bad but there will come a time where I'll go Right. At the moment, though, like this, even this podcast is therapy for me. Talking, talking through it, talking to someone about it. I talk to my friends about it. I t you know what I mean? I yeah. talk to Robbie, and my mom and dad, like I talk to people about it. So talking about it is great. And there's only like there's different things that are coming up. Like even when I'm coming in to talk to you today, like Robbie's like, and don't forget to say this. And you didn't know this happened. And I'm like, no, I didn't know that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, I'm still learning about kind of what I've been through and what had happened. And yeah, I think talking about it is, is a good coping mechanism at the moment. And he's probably drip feeding you. Sorry for the, for the <laughs> pun, but like, <laughs> yeah. but in, ter in terms of information, he's probably telling you little bits at a time. Little bits, yeah. yeah. Well, I think he's probably trying to forget about it to a certain extent as well, because it's very stressful for him. Mm. Um, but yeah, trying not to tell me too much information at once, like overload, where I'll panic and go, what? Because even up until recently, it's like, oh, I actually did nearly die. <laughs> and that's probably something that I couldn't say for a while because yeah. that's pretty scary. I wouldn't right. have known. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I was asleep, so I wouldn't yeah. have known. So yeah, that's something I'm still coming to terms with. And you probably will be for a long time. Yeah, probably. You know, uh, but look at, 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 you know, think about in, I don't know, say 10 years time, 10, 20 years time, your your little girl will, will grow into a, 
you know, your baby will grow into a girl, into a woman, and mm. she'll be able to tell everyone what a warrior her mom was. Yeah. You and know, her. and is. And and her. Yeah. Like, oh, how would you get on anyway? And, you know, oh, yeah, sure. When my when my mom was pregnant, she was in a coma for 17 days. What? Yeah. People probably won't people even like, believe what? her. They'll be like, do yeah. you know what that little kid is saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But but it'll be the truth. Um, You're amazing. I'm just in awe of, of it. Such a, it's such a, a, a shocking story, but it's also it's so inspiring because you're here and she's here and you're healthy and I know you're still in in a recovery not alone from your COVID experience but from going through a you know a traumatic birth experience as well um, and and the, re- the recovery that comes with the C-section but it's amazing and uh, I'm just really grateful to you for taking time to be here today I know you're really thankful to the staff who looked after you during during that crazy time back in, in March and April. Is there anything you'd like to say before I let you go? I am so thankful to them because I can only imagine how hard it was for them because, like, I had this conversation with you a couple of days ago. Mm. Like, we forget that they're human. We forget that the decisions they make are keeping me alive or me not making it. Imagine how that must weigh on them going home and trying to sleep at night as well do you know um, the decisions they make determines the outcome for me so I don't know if I can ever express in words how grateful I am to both the Rotunda and to Bowmount Hospital to the, to the doctors and nurses there like no amount of words can express how grateful I am um, they're just amazing like they are absolutely amazing people and I had emailed a couple of them just to say thanks because a few had said to Robbie like when I was leaving make sure you send us on a picture of the baby and like because it's like an end of the story for them as well sure so I sent them on a couple of photos of Demi when she was born and Mm -hmm. I just thanked them and lots of them got back back to me and like were just really really nice like they took their time out to send me back an email and yeah I can I can't express how how grateful I am to them they're just amazing wonderful people and that must be hugely satisfying for them to see you well and her well oh, after everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. After all the the hard work and the worry that they had to see that it ended well, I'm sure is like really nice for them. Yeah. Well, look, I hope when you get home, that you can. I know it's, it's I was going to say, can you have a nap? But I know what it's like to have a newborn. Um, Maybe I won't go home. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll sneak off for a couple of hours. It's the first time I've left her. So I'm like, oh, I my know, God. I know, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's the longest I'm away from her this hour. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah, God, yeah, is yeah. she OK? What's she doing, I wonder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> amazing nothing. how quick your life changes, isn't oh, it? Oh, God, who are you telling? Yeah. It's mad. It's, it's, it's a huge transformation. Yeah, like I haven't had time to even think about like I said I haven't even had time to think about anything no because it was like okay you need to get better because you're having a baby so like where's the time to even process anything no I know because she's there yeah but I wouldn't have it on the other way the remarkable Laura Curtis and I wish her Robbie and their daughter Demi all the very best going forward you've been listening to ready to be real conversations Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.